0: welcome to shift happens. My name is Claudia Mahler and I am curious about how women made it through turning points in their lives and how they reflect back on them. Too often women just get on with it. The everyday, the duties, the expectations, too often life-altering events are being swept under the rug as life must go on. With shift happens I want to create a space for women to pause for a moment and to share, to listen and to feel heard. A space where we connect and talk about life and its pivotal moments, about the highs and lows, the challenges and the joys, about what has been gained and about how enriching change can be. Some things we hear are heavy. Some are funny. They all put me in awe. As they are honest and raw testimonies of life. This podcast is a little window into the world. I invited women from all walks of life and various counties, countries, and continents. I am in conversation with authors, business owners, artists, life coaches, and change makers. All these women have their individual life story and much wisdom to share. Here we are. This is episode 8 and the finale of the first ever season of Shift Happens. Yay, yay, yay. What a learning curve from editing, cutting, understanding analytics to experiencing how positive and supportive listeners can be. I'm so proud and happy and excited, not only for the first eight conversations with incredible women but also that the ratings, responses, and the feedback have been so encouraging, applauding, and honest. Very important. This platform of storytelling and sharing insights into women's pivotal moments will continue. This show will go on. Mark your calendar. Shift Happens continues on Wednesday, April 17th, 2024. After today's episode with Waridi Warda a major trailblazer for the African fashion movement based in Berlin, I will take some time to record and produce new conversations with women from India, Africa, Asia, the US and Europe. I am thrilled for this wonderful opportunity to contribute to get female voices heard, for helping women to connect over personal stories and for girls to hear from potential role models. My manifestation for Shift Happens in this coming year is to grow, to find sponsors and advertisers, and you can help too. Please think, and if you think of a brand that would fit to our show, please get in touch with me, Claudia at claudiamala.com. Oh, and if you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or via my website, claudiamahler.com slash podcast. So today I am joined by Varidi Varda. Varidi joins us from Berlin. She's originally from Kenya. Varidi is a former model entrepreneur fashion consultant Um, you've been a contributor to Vogue since 2020 is it German Vogue or um, German Vogue German Vogue and you are a member of the German Fashion Council right yeah so I'm super excited that we see each other again and that you agreed to share about the shifts and pivotal moments in your life And before we get there, I just have a few quick questions to ask you. Okay. Flat or sparkling? Sparkling. Dogs or cats? (laughs) Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Stones or beetles? Stones. What is your most treasured possession?
1: Hmm basically my handbag okay i mean <laughs> nice. my handbag carrying my passport my id my yeah the necessary that i can use any yeah. moment <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now we are knowing you a little bit better and um Yeah, so you wrote to me that there are three decisive moments in your life. And the first one really is becoming a model. So maybe you can share with us a little bit about this experience and the beginning of your journey.
1: Yeah, basically, um, I have so many stories to tell, Claudia, that I really would try to be precise as I can. Growing up as a Muslim girl uh, with a Muslim background in Nairobi, I grew up with my aunt and she was super strict. So I was really traditionally the way I wore clothes, the way I appeared and went to school. I went to Muslim girls school. So we wore long trousers and cover our legs and always covering up. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a special time. And as a young girl, young woman, I didn't have boyfriends. I mean, I, you know, I still had feeling as a young girl, just watching my girlfriends and enjoying it and mm-hmm. enjoying that. Um, um, but never really imagining that I can do what they're doing. It's just I, I respected my space and my place. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I knew in my mind I was always knowing I'm traveling. Mm mm-hmm. There was something in me that I knew that I'm not going to be saying in Nairobi or in Kenya, I'll be traveling, but I didn't know where. So I think from young, I've been creative. And so um, my aunt always used me as a mannequin because she was a tailor. And mm-hmm. so close for friends and basically clients who knew her. And she used me as a model. I grew up very quickly tall. And I mean, with 11, I looked like I was 18. Yeah. Uh, so on top, that was on top that I had to really not be 11 because I looked 18 as a woman. So I had to really cover myself, my breasts. I mean, at 11, I was already, my breasts were uh, a size of a woman, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so being mannequin there I was like you know knowing I have this other part where I'm being in the traditional way and then this other part where I am being a mannequin put on the clothes my aunt does the fitting and sees how you know as a, a tailor does uh, or mm-hmm. designer how things are fitting and, mm-hmm. and so on and I never thought much about being a model, but I just know that the journey started there. You know, sometimes yeah. I believe in things coming and then coming to a next thing where I, if you say karma or if you say this is uh, mm-hmm. like a, a plan that is happening and we'll go to another step, to another stone.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, so after, during this time, I got the opportunity, as I said, my journey has always been in a creative way. I saw there was opportunity to go to Dubai and be with my um, cousin who was pregnant. So I took that moment to go and be there and support her during this time. Mm -hmm. And this is when I reached uh, Dubai and I saw that was already a step outside to Your journey world. out mm-hmm. as i always thought i will journey mm-hmm. and that's where basically my journey started being in dubai um i was supported by a woman who does fashion shows for boutiques like chanel and the rest and she asked me if i would like to be a model and i was wearing of course clothes like how in arabia women uh, abaya aren't um mm-hmm. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, I would love to. And Mm -hmm. so I asked from home if I could do the modeling, and they said, no way. And I was so shocked. I was like, actually, in Arabia, basically, when you do a show, it's only for women. Mm -hmm. So there were no men. So I didn't understand why they refused that I Mm -hmm. do the show. Uh, Of course, I understood, but I was like, it's only women, and Mm -hmm. uh, no way. There's no way you're going to do it. And I think that's the moment when, like, triggered me. I have mm-hmm. to take a step and to yeah. change. Assert yourself. Assert myself and go for what I want or what I wanted but never knew. Then and this opportunity came and I did one show secretly mm-hmm. while being with my cousin. And that's when she said, if you want to go further to make a career, you shouldn't stay here. You should go to London. And so I did something very brave. I just basically, I was working also at that time. I was in Dubai in an advertising company mm-hmm. and I earned my salary and was saving my money and just got my ticket and flew secretly to London. So I ran away. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's big. That's big. Yeah. May I ask, how, how old were you then? 21. 21.
1: When I was there, I was like 20. And so, you know, basically it took me a year. And then Mm -hmm. with 21, I left for London. Wow. And um, story. (laughs) Yeah. um, So being brave, taking the risk. And I, as I said, uh, luckily, I think creatively, I don't think so much on whom do I know? Will I be okay or like structuring it? programming it like a business plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I just first, I have to go there. Once I'm there, take the next step. Mm -hmm. Fabulous.
0: And then you had a life and quite a successful career as a model. (laughs) You were mostly in London or were you also in New York or internationally
1: walking the catwalks? I was in between London, Milan, Madrid uh, for like two and a half years. And then from there, I then went to New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in New York for four years with IMG modeling agency. Mm -hmm. Then from New York to Germany was Dusseldorf. Yeah, and then Berlin. Yeah. (laughs) Because at that time, Dusseldorf was the fashion uh, city, right?
0: Long time ago. 27 years ago. Yeah. So I also am really interested in how it was then also to establish yourself in Germany, coming from Kenya, but also by then, you know, this international experience. And Germany at the time was, of course, still a little bit more narrow-minded, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think... When I came to Germany, I came in my mind, in my soul, a model and travelling this international platforms like London, New York, and the doors were really open for me in Dusseldorf, Immediately Go Agency. The thing I think that is takes me through my journey positively, when I come to a country or a city, I do not see, oh, New Yorkers are like this, Londoners are like this and how should I behave? Or well, I'm in Germany. Of course, its language was a different language where it's uh, one thing to learn the language, but um, I've always been curious with the culture and just embracing culture. I never saw myself as an outsider unless I was reminded (laughs) that I'm where I'm from and my background and to understand exactly who I am and why I'm in Germany, then I remember that. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. I move myself like a human being that I can be anywhere I choose to be, and so I'm lucky with that attitude. That I um, the challenges, or also being woman of color, mm-hmm. that um, confront and become obstacles. Mm-hmm. For me, for example, uh, when I was in Dusseldorf, I had another model friend from uh, New York and she was when we went to a restaurant and she always was like furious because people were looking at us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's wrong? Why are you angry? And she said, do you see how they're looking at us? And I'm like, um, yeah, what's wrong with that? Because we are beautiful and tall women. So. <laughs> and she said, no, because we're women. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> it sounds so naive, but I, I... I Uh, I mean, everybody's individual, and this has been my strength Mm -hmm. to walk in my journey, looking at my perspective differently than maybe sometimes it's very provoking. Yeah, yeah. to some it seems like I'm not trying to be in reality, but I think...
0: That's sometimes a very good thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, So exactly. That's sometimes a very good thing, you know. That, so being then in Germany with this attitude and doors that are opened, I went through, and those that, that were not opened, I never thought twice um, why and I have to break that, uh, kick that door, you know. Maybe also with the who I am or how I am, I attracted positivity that I could work with it. For sure, there were challenges like b- being from model and then starting to go into the the fashion platforms as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, still in the fashion industry. It's like, okay, is she good enough? What is she going to do, you know? And this time actually... Luckily, for models who are now, they're not seen in that way, like it used to be before, as models cannot do business. They're models, they can't think, they're just beautiful. And basically, what are they going to do next after they can't model anymore? You know,
0: unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I think internally, this is one of the things I was maybe struggling to prove and to move in the German industry. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of uh, effort and. Took a lot of time, like you said, also how thinking in a box, but uh, Germans are quite, they have their frame. And I'm always thinking out of a box. <laughs> and sometimes it was irritating yeah. to the, let's say, the space or industry uh, mm-hmm. I'm in. But uh, in a time, then it's, um, how to put it, I think uh, being confident that also helps to basically mm-hmm. overlook, um, the, let's say, being watched and being scrutinized or criticized. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's part of uh, the journey and learning.
0: <laughs> so you always knew that fashion is your world. Fashion is your passion but But really is your world. And when you decided to go from modeling into the fashion industry were you always thinking about the continent from where you are and how to support and work with um, African
1: fashion designers? Or did that develop over time? I mean, I think um, even when I went out as a model, mm-hmm. I w- have been always fascinated with materials, with the mm-hmm. textures of um different fabric and always fascinated me and also this is during the time from my aunt you know they had such beautiful materials from India from Arabia and uh, especially in Kenya we had mostly the Indians as uh, the ones who are in the textile industry Mm -hmm. so you get a lot of beautiful fabrics from India so I was always fascinated with the fabric so as a model I was just like uh, basically lashing this kind of a beautiful fabric wearing them feeling them understanding them and mm-hmm. then it was basically more for me much more intriguing and knowing also the gift I had or the uniqueness I have I could do that otherwise mm-hmm. I would not have been chosen to be on the catwalk when I came to Germany coming at that age was like okay now um 35 years old what else should I add into my profession still mm-hmm. connecting to the experience and knowledge of through my journey for let's say from london to new york and back to germany for like 10 years luckily i was chosen as a jury member for esmod berlin fashion school mm-hmm. and when i was a jury member there that's when also came this turning point like ooh there's a gap here for me, you know, Mm -hmm. but also answering while being in Germany. Also, I was always being approached on with African topics in -hmm. in the negative way.
0: Which negative
1: way? Well, uh, maybe it's not negative, but, you know, um, More like I should be ambassador for, uh, let's say, organization like HIV, Mm -hmm. support immigrant women who have HIV. And uh, because basically the topic supporting the women uh, is always, I've been passionate with it. Mm -hmm. But it was just that topic was taboo and it was seen also as Africa and not something that existed in Germany. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though we had a big organization in Germany that was mm-hmm. uh, supporting all the people who are at that time, also, as you know, in the 90s, came again, HIV topic. And so while I was a jury member with the Esmond Fashion School, luckily, I got so well along with the directors of the fashion school. And while talking, this like, really, okay, why don't we do something? You know, mm-hmm, because you're mm-hmm. so creative, you have ideas and how we can use your ideas to initiate topics with the first year students. Mm-hmm. And that's how I saw. oh, so this is something I can work with. So basically, as you say, fashion has always been my passion to the real truth through my journey. Basically, it's been a way to converse, give conversation but also to use it as a tool to communicate different topics. Yeah, and this is since then nineteen ninety nine two thousand. I started mm-hmm. to use fashion as a tool to communicate topics. The topics about the immigrants, topic about uh, HIV and AIDS, and there mm-hmm. also that's when it brought more awareness about what's going on in Africa. Mm-hmm. So this is when I thought, you know, what's happening in Africa. There is so much beautiful stuff, positive stuff, amazing countries with, with different Zen mm-hmm. and culture. and here I'm talking about this part, which is important to the world, mm-hmm. but is coming, charity uh, to collect money, for, to give to poverty in Africa, to an HIV in Africa. And I thought, I want to speak another language using this tool I have with the knowledge and experience
0: yeah so shifting the storytelling yes and really bringing out so many facets yeah that there must be yeah you also published a book about this with a photographer right in 2016 right if you
1: tell us a little bit about that piece of the journey yeah, so um, uh, through the whole experience with the Asphalt Fashion School, then I saw that I had to take this gap, which have um, as I started to research more about the African continent, uh, what I want to basically show people the vibrancy, the talent, the creativity. So I founded my company, Fashion Africa 254, then, uh, 2013. And during my working that time, I was working a lot in between uh, Berlin and Kenya uh, and Tanzania, Uganda, the East African um, countries. And I saw, okay, I have to put this together. How can I put this about the continent where it's not just like, okay, fashion show, Berlin Fashion Week and uh, maybe an article and then it's thrown away. Mm -hmm. How can I just put this content together in a photography book? That it can communicate, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the style movers of Africa. And then I had in contact with Daniela Damangi, the photographer from Milan, and he published a very famous book called Gentlemen of Bagongo, which mm-hmm. is really colorful uh, of uh, all the super. Yeah, I know that. Um, <laughs> and, and and I loved his book and I thought, wow, uh, if I work with a photographer who's understanding uh, the, this movement of mm-hmm. Africa and I heard he loved Africa and so I put this proposal together with my team and uh, approached him and he loved the idea and I was like, okay, so we don't have enough budget to do the whole of Africa, but I would like to use <laughs> Africa Um, and portray, like, even if this is in Kenya, what I'm showing in the book, this vibrancy is not just in Kenya. It's the whole of uh, Africa. If you go to Nigeria, Mm -hmm. if you go to Ghana, if you go to uh, even Morocco, wherever, you can find this vibrancy and this energy and and the movement that is happening. Mm. Yeah, and that's how the um, book was born. So it's a photography table book. And um, I'm very proud of it.
0: Yes, you should be. Uh,
1: only sad that the photographer died yeah, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book lives on. And also, it's something, also, what I'm emotional about this project gave him two years more of his life due to his sickness. So, it mm-hmm. um, was very emotional um, yeah. to create that book.
0: But he was still alive when it was published?
1: Yes, he was alive. That's why also I rushed to do it because I knew he was sick. And so we uh, we published it in September 2016. And uh, his dream was also to have an exhibition in Berlin. So I really worked hard to get a gallery in Berlin with um, one of uh, contemporary gallery in Berlin, I'm sure you know, Volker uh, Dill. I don't know if you remember. Yes. yeah. Yeah, he gave his space for exhibition and to launch the book in October 2016. And then Sarah Minow from Vogue Talent had also r- wrote a quote for the book. So we also did a launch in Koso Como in May 2017. And then six months later, he died. Yeah, so. Wow. But the book lives on for him.
0: Yes. <laughs> and for me. And for you. <laughs> so yeah. And yes, to share all this vibrancy, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important for the world to have this other window into Africa because yes, as you said, I mean, growing up, the pictures that we saw were of, you know, the starving children and I mean, all the devastation that is happening there and the world needs to see that. But also there's another side and there's another identity, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, I'm dying to hear um, your aunt. Have you been back in touch with her, if I may ask? And is she proud? She must be so proud and she must be so happy because it all started with her. Well,
1: she's one woman, I basically saw her as um, she gave me strength, even though it was a weakness, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not weakness, a challenging, like with restrictions Mm -hmm. and not being allowed. Of course, it took me 10 years, no contact with home, before I went back um, and visited home. But during this, after 10 years, I didn't see her uh, because she didn't want to see me. Uh, because she was still, again, with uh, my journey. And uh, then 10 years later, again, I went, and then she had forgiven, and I saw her. Um, It was lovely to see her, but I could still see she, (laughs) you know, she's very... um... She was very doubtful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she made she made me when I saw again, even to be more curious about my side, uh, the Arabic side of me, which basically, um, I've always worked in my career as an African girl, I always said I'm African, and I'm from Kenya, never really brought out my Arabic part, which is basically mm-hmm. 75% mm-hmm. And, and 25% is Kenyan. So it really also is a point also made me see, like, I have to, not I have to, but how do I bring that to be whole part of me and not just mm-hmm. uh, one part that I never wanted to explain, but I never did before in the mm-hmm. beginning of my journey because I, at time, was not I'm much more action person than to speak it out because also of how I was brought up. So I didn't want to explain a lot. I didn't want to be asked a lot. I just wanted to come to do what I came to do and express what I came to do. Mm-hmm. So my voice during this time, my voice is growing. I'm ready to speak it out. <laughs> i'm so glad to speak it to you to voice it out and uh, inspire yes that's um,
0: fantastic yeah
1: that's important
0: and and role models are needed yeah yeah and role models that are internationally active and that's i think is also a good transition now to um fashion africa 254 that's your company yes and of course i'm curious what's the name what is it about the numbers
1: What do they stand for? So Fashion Africa, 254. I love numbers, first of all. And I thought uh, to make a difference and not just keep it on a fashion name uh, brand, two basically is a code you call Dial Africa Okay. and 54 countries in the continent. Ah, okay. So that's why it's 254.
0: All right. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So FA254, and you started this in 2013, so it's 10 years old. Yes. And you are focusing on young African designers, fashion world there. Share a little bit about what you're
1: doing there. Basically, as you said, more focusing on discovering young designers, which I then create, a design a project when I've discovered mm-hmm. the, the designers. depends from where, if they're from Ethiopia, or from Kenya or Nigeria or Rwanda. And through that, I design a project that I can support them by getting sponsors that I can lead the mentorship for one year. So I always choose 10 designers a year. And through this mentorship come all the whole package or with the gap in these designers that I have curated, uh, the 10 designers. And then From there, even if the three or four chosen designers who are ready, basically, um, after the one-year consulting and mentoring, that ready to be shown in the German platform, and that means the Berlin Fashion Week or the retailers. So basically, the idea was always also how to bridge uh, the German platform with the African platform and also making conversation using fashion to bring that conversation what is africa all about what are the creativity all about yeah. what talent is there what can they do what they have they are not just talented they can also uh, they have quality they can also deliver and also at that time and still on they can deliver in <clears throat> limitation of order and not in mass production and then again you see we come now and this time Uh, where the African designers were sustainable and still are. And now we are talking about sustainability and how Mm -hmm. to produce less and to take care of our climate. So in that sense, this was actually one of the points during the mentorship of the designers to create with what they have and also with the demand they can give and not what the demand that is expected internationally important for them is uh think internationally but work locally yeah. and focus on your local platform mm-hmm. yeah so this is the main uh, uh work yeah
0: that's fascinating there must be quite a run to be chosen it's like a scholarship yes. that you organize for them basically yeah mentorship you mm-hmm. can put it in like the a brand.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it's very challenging Well, the word challenging sounds maybe negative, but challenging in a positive way because we learn a lot from each Mm -hmm. other. Basically, I learn from the designers and the designers not just learning from me, but also I bring in other uh, German experts from uh, the fashion industry to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And they learn also from the African platforms. And so it's exchanging their knowledge, their culture. And this is yeah. more important for me and also for FIT Fibre platform. One of my courses is Changing Minds. And that is how to change each other's mind by understanding how the other mentality is working, not just understanding the German mentality, but also understanding the African mentality and kind of to balance it like a relationship, compromise <laughs> and see how to uh, work together. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, Varidi, this is a what a journey. Huh? Unbelievable. And you said there are so many more stories, as there are in life, but these very significant turning points and pivotal moments, you would say, just to summarize it again, that really your positive outlook and intuitive positive outlook has helped you go through also the very challenging times. And this deep passion it seems that you have yeah and to always bring people together and to really bring continent africa into the conversation over and over again yeah this is my passion <laughs> that's really yeah. that's really admirable mm-hmm. so um i mean i'm sure your life is very busy so i want to ask you now towards the end um what
1: do you do to calm down uh, meditation Meditation. Meditation, and then in evenings I like to be with friends and just, like, let go and enjoy food. I think one of the things that is... um, Basically, I don't think much about food, but then in the end, when uh, you have this moment to sit down and eat and speak, and it's just like also so nourishing and um, relaxing.
0: Mm-hmm. On various levels, yeah. So oh, I yeah. go
1: out for dinner, you know. It um, gives me uh, a relaxing feeling.
0: And um, what
1: energizes you? My family, um, nature... It's just beautiful to be alive. <laughs> it's energizing. It might sound weird, but yeah. <laughs> wake up, I'm, I'm alive and uh, I'm privileged, um, um, thankful where I am mm-hmm. and um, with every space mm-hmm. around. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I forgot to mention that, of course, you're also a mother and you have a
1: grown daughter yes is she also in berlin or she's actually uh, reverted to go back to africa so she's based between cape town and dubai ah it's very interesting <laughs> to see that i left and she's going back yes life and its turns yeah yeah so it's also very um, and energizing <laughs> Uh, to see that uh, the journey she's taking yeah you know, yeah or starting rather yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah well Waridi I thank you totally and super much to be in conversation with me here for shift
1: happens and I will see you soon yeah thank you so much Claudia really really after I don't know 20 years seeing uh, yeah <laughs> speaking only email and seeing us uh, it's amazing and soon it will I be in person. Work. To tell all the friends we know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Kudos to Viridi for following her intuition so authentically, despite the many cultural and religious obstacles a journey that led her into being a major force in changing the narrative around Africa and its fashion movement. You really should follow Fashion Africa 254 on Instagram. It's so vibrant and an infusion of color, elegance, and new talent. This was really a remarkable story of a young woman having the courage to follow her intuition to leave a very strict and oppressive home, to free herself and grow into the woman she is now, a globalist, being 25% African and rediscovering her 75% Muslim side. And clearly with her daughter, the journey of exploring and searching for identity seems to continue. I surely will remind myself of Waridi's beautifully positive attitude, a major takeaway for me. Shift Happens has been created and is hosted by me, Claudia Mala. Editing, Andy Borison, Communications and Marketing, Amy Jacobus and Jessica Pearson from Amy Jacobus Marketing. I hope you felt connected and heard by listening to Shift Happens.